feel good? Hey, you can stay standing for a minute. Oh, man. I feel like God's about to move in a powerful way. Anybody feel that? Anybody need that? <laughs> man, uh, I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've had a great day. Uh, we've been expecting you, praying for you, believing for you. Um, believing the Lord has some, some powerful stuff in store for you today. Uh, anybody, it's your first time. Let, let me see again. It's your first time with us. Make you raise your hand twice. What's up? What's up, dog? Hi. Good to have you. I love it. Uh, well, my name is Andrew Matrone. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, lo love getting to be a part of this church and this ministry. Uh, I'm going to let you sit in 30 seconds so you can relax for a minute. Uh, but we're starting a new series called Defining Decade. And this whole series is about why your 20s matter. That this decade where you sit right now is the most defining decade of your life. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of unhashing that and talking about why it's so important and what God is trying to accomplish in your life in this next season. And I'm going to read a, a quick passage for you today. It's going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And before Jesus tells this parable, Jesus was just, he just gave the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave that has ever been given. And Jesus talks about all these things that the kingdom of heaven is like this, do this, live life like this. And then he ends the entire Sermon on the Mount with this parable. And a parable is just a, a story that Jesus made up to prove a point. But it's this, it's the, the subtitle of it is the wise and foolish builders, the wise and foolish builders. So Matthew seven, verse 24, you ready? Say you ready. ready. All right. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man built who built his house on the what? The rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the what? Rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Tonight, I want to talk about how the kind of foundation you build in your 20s will be the most defining you do in this decade of your life. The foundation you build in your 20s will be the most defining thing you do in this decade of life. The title of tonight's message is this, Built to Last. Built to Last. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you uh, for everyone in this place tonight. God, I, I, uh, I feel so honored that people would walk into this room and, and would, would trust us and trust us with your word, Lord. I pray that uh, tonight, Lord, you promise that your word does not return void. So God, as we preach your word and we preach your name, Lord, I believe that it does not return void. Lord, I pray that you'd move in such a powerful way, Lord, that whether we say yes to you or not, we cannot de deny the power that was in this room. Uh, Lord, we love you. We trust you. Ask all us your name. Everybody says, amen. You can have a seat. Hug someone's neck on the way down. Tell them you love them. Unless it's your first time, tell them you like them. I'll maybe love you one day. Uh, your, your 20s is an interesting time of life, amen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seven of you, right? 
Amen. Amen. Uh, but, but I feel like your 20s can be best depicted uh, in one way, through memes. And, and, come on. Some of y'all, you, you're only, your only friendship that you have with people is like based off of memes. Anybody in here? You like don't even work because they send you such a good one. You're like, I got I to gotta find a better one to send it back. Uh, so, so we went through, we found some, some memes that I think really depict uh, your 20s in this life of adulting. Let's, let's throw up a few. Uh, first one is this. I love how being an adult is just saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit again until you die. How am I supposed to trust my gut when at 2 a.m. it tells me to eat three slices of pizza, a cupcake, and a milkshake? Anybody? Come on. Enjoy it while you can, because you'll, you'll get a double chin like me. 18 to 22 is a confusing age. I got friends who don't drive, some having kids, getting married, and some still who have to ask their parents to stay out past curfew. You know that friend. You got him. Being an adult is spending $5 on coffee every day and wondering why you can't save money. Can I get an Amen. Where's my wife? You can't just sit around on Netflix and Instagram all day and expect to become rich and successful. Me? Well, first of all, through God, all things are possible, so jot that down. Come on! Somebody. Me at 29, Jennifer Anderson at 50. That's real talk. Motivational speakers, you can achieve anything. You have a tiger in you, the tiger in me. That's real. That's real. That's me on after I preach. Instagram, me trying to read my Bible. Come on, come on, real talk. You can go back to that one real quick. Go, go, go back. Come on. Just, let's, let's look at this for a moment. That's actually how I feel when I'm like trying to read my Bible and engage with God. Instagram's just like, mm-mm. I gotta like delete my app to read my Bible. All right, next one. Sometimes I think that adulthood is like looking both ways before you cross the street, then getting hit by an airplane. <laughs> this dude's like, yep. You ever take a nap so good that you thought you missed a school bus, but it's Sunday and you're 32? <laughs> oh, come on. That's good. That's good. That'll preach. That'll preach. Man, we had like 20. We should have kept them all, Zach. We cut them down. I could, that could have been my sermon. Oh, man. Your 20s. Uh, your 20s is an interesting time of life. Uh, so, so much happens between 18 and, and 30 years old. Like some of the, your most life-changing events and some of the biggest experiences in your life happen between 18 and 30 years old. And I think our 20s is like, is two things. It, it's amazing. All in this, like, it's right, it's amazing, it's fun, you have so much energy, the world is at your fingertips, uh, but then it's also extremely confusing because the world is at your fingertips, right? Like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Who am I called to be? What am I going to do with my life? I, I remember feeling this in college. And I was about to graduate, graduate, I was a psychology major, and I'll never forget, I was three weeks away from graduating, and I was so confused and so lost on what to do that I was literally sitting on my couch, on my buddy's couch with a computer, and I googled how to join the SWAT team. <laughs> never thought about that in my entire life, but I'm like, maybe I'm supposed to be a SWAT team member, right? I'm, I'm, I'm bald, I look like I could be a SWAT team member, I don't know what it is. But, but I remember that season of life being a season of, of a lot of uncertainty. In, and I think that our 20s can breed a whole lot of anxiety because there is so much uncertainty. Amen? 
And, and, and I think that a lot of 20-somethings feel this. There's over 50 million 20-somethings in America. That's a lot of you. And I think that if most 20-somethings are being honest, they would say that deep down, there's a level of anxiety in my life because there's such an uncertainty about my future. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? And, and I feel like I have so many conversations with so many young adults who are trying to make decisions and, and trying to figure life out, and they pretty much just come to the conclusion of like, I don't know, man, I guess I'll just see what happens. <laughs> Right, a, a lot of us, and I, I think that a lot of us, like we, we can just kind of close our eyes in our 20s and just hope for the best. And I think that our world has kind of begun to treat our 20s as disposable years. Like they're years that, that, are, that are kind of disposable. I, I read an article by Time Magazine that was written a few years ago, and they dubbed this generation of, of the 20s, they dubbed your 20s the Odyssey years. In other words, that they said that these are the years where you need to um, explore and experience and wander, the, the Odyssey years. Like, we're almost led to believe that our 20s don't matter. Like, our 20s are just some whimsical time of life that doesn't really count. And I think that sometimes we're, we're led to believe that life will start once I get that job that I really want. Right. Life will start once I get that relationship or once I finally get married. Life will start once I turn 30. No, you just hurt more. OK. <laughs> Life will start whenever I buy that house. Life will start whenever this happens. And until that happens, I'm just going to live my life. And, and, and I was thinking about it. I honestly I couldn't disagree more. I couldn't disagree more. I think that our 20s are the most transformative part of our life. Like right now, where you sit at this time in your life, this is the most transformative part of your life. You see, a lot of significant things take place between birth and death. But I think some of the most significant things that affect our years ahead happen right now in your life where you sit at this point. You see, after our 20s, we either continue with or we correct for the moves that we made during our 20s. Let me say that again because I think you missed it. After our 20s, we, we either correct for or we continue with the things that happen and the decisions that we make in our 20s. In other words, what you do now will determine what you do later. Right, Who you become right now will determine who you become later. Like we, we can't compartmentalize the two. I think that we really try to compartmentalize. Like I can live life how I want right now, and then I can live life how I want in my 30s or my 40s. I think you could kind of do that maybe when you're a high schooler or a teenager. Right? You can make some knucklehead decisions and, and be fine in a lot of ways. But I think that you cannot compartmentalize once you get into this season of life. You cannot compartmentalize the two. They are two in one, and they, are, they go together. Who you are right now determines who you'll be in the future. So in other words, your 20s are defining. Your 20s are defining. Your, your 20s are absolutely critical. Your 20s are real time. They're really happening, and they're leaving you as fast as you get into it, and they should be lived that way. You see, this decade of our life was not meant to be throwaway years. 
These years of our life were not meant to be years of wandering. Hear me. These years of your life were meant to be for building. Not for wandering, not for just experimenting, not for just exploring, but for building. And not building the structure of who you are, but building the foundation of who you're going to be. Not, not just the structure of who you are, but the foundation of who you're going to be. Listen, the foundation you build in your 20s will transform everything about your 30s. The foundation you build right now will trans, trans, uh, transform everything about your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and beyond. And you get to decide what that foundation looks like. That's a beautiful thing, and that's a scary thing. You're like, don't give me that kind of responsibility. Somebody tell me. I'm going to try to tell you. But you get to decide what that foundation looks like. You see, I believe this principle of foundation building is a biblical and is a Jesus principle. And I think it's important. And Jesus talks about it. After Jesus talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes on to say, like, if you do these things, then you will be this. If you don't do these things, you will be that. And Jesus begins to talk about these two builders in this story. He talks about these two builders in the story. And these two guys, they're two builders, and they're building two different homes. But I believe that each builder was given the same resources. Each builder was given the same materials. Each builder had the same design, the same structure. It doesn't say any difference, so I believe that both these builders had the same exact skills. The only difference between these two builders was what they chose to build their foundation on. All the same, the only thing that was different was what they chose to build their foundation on. Builder one, Jesus calls this man the wise man. This man builds on foundation made of what? rock. The second man, Jesus calls this the foolish man. This man builds foundation made of what? Sand. Good. You guys are learning already. This is great. I, I, was, I was thinking about it, and, and if we talk in, in literal terms of building on rock versus building on sand, here's the differences. Building on rock, what you would have to do to build on rock, to build a foundation on rock, is that you'd have to chip uh, into the rock, you would have to level off the footing. You would have to take a long time to attach the structure to the bedrock. In other words, to build a foundation on rock, it would take time. To build a foundation on rock, it would be more difficult. It took patience. It was, took endurance. It took hard work. It, taught, it took more uh, thinking. It took more planning ahead to build a foundation on rock. Now, the person to build on sand, to build on sand, they didn't have to anchor to anything. All they had to do was just level out the sand. So in comparison to the person who built their foundation on rock, building your foundation on sand was easier. It was quicker. It took less time. It took a lot less preparation. It was less labor intensive. One builder wanted the right result. One builder wanted the quickest result. The foolish man was more concerned about his structure. The wise man was more concerned about his what? Foundation. One more concerned about the structure, another more concerned about the foundation. 
But then all of a sudden, a storm hits. So both houses are built. Both houses look the same. Both builders are watching their house. And, and then this, this is what happens. I'll read this again. It says, therefore, anyone who hears the words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it what? Did not fall because its foundation was on what? But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. A storm came, but only one stood. Same storm, same house, but only one house remained. You see, I think that we live in a culture, if we can be really honest, that cares far more about the structure than they care about the foundation. I, I, I think we live in a culture that, that, that cares far more about what do I look like today instead of who am I becoming tomorrow. Right, we, we, we live in a culture that is so concerned about the structure, but we've said this all summer and all fall long that the kingdom of God is upside down and the kingdom of God is far more concerned with the foundation that is building in your life. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? You see, look, in God's eyes, your structure, who you become, it matters. I, I believe that it does matter to God. I believe that God does care. But he knows with poor foundation, your structure cannot and will not last. It can't last. You see, I believe that there's no better time in your, than in your 20s to define the kind of foundation that you build your life upon. Because your foundation determines the strength of your structure. And the strength of your structure determines the strength of your life and the impact that you will have on the kingdom of God. That your foundation matters to God and it should matter to you. God is about the long game. God wants to build us to last. And right now it starts in your 20s. The most important thing that you will do in your 20s in this decade of your life is building a foundation, is building a deep foundation, is planting your feet and saying, no matter what, no matter where I go, no matter what happens, this is who I am. This will be my foundation. I'm planting my feet and nothing will move me from the foundation that God has called me to. Amen. You see, your, your 20s, I just got three quick points that I, I want to point out about your, your 20s. And I want to use this story and this purpose of this, this thought of foundation in your 20s. Okay, so we're going to do three points. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Youth had, a, had, a, had a, an event here last night, and, uh, and they had confetti cannons. And I'm going to fire, fire Luke Gregory. I already told him, for everyone that falls, I get a dollar during my message. I shouldn't have put that to your attention, but now it's all you're going to be watching, your Lord. Okay, ready? Point number one. Your 20s are not about creating a structure that everyone sees, but developing a foundation that no one sees yet. Your 20s are not about creating a structure that everyone sees, but developing a foundation that no one sees yet. See, I think we live in a world that puts a lot of worth in being seen, right? We put a lot, a lot of worth in being noticed. We put a lot of worth in being 
recognized. I mean, think of how much our culture has shifted in the past five years. That you can be a really young gun in this life, and because of, of YouTube and Instagram or Vine, RIP, or TikTok, or, or, or whatever it might be, you can, in an instant, experience a ton of uh, influence, right? And, and we, we, these kind of people, they build this structure, and this structure that they build is seen, and it is glorified, and it is praised by everyone around, Right? We, we live in a world where, you're, where your worth is built off of being seen or recognized. And I think the temptation is, I don't think that people in here are like, I want to be an Instagram, maybe. I don't think that's our temptation, but, but I think what our temptation is, is that we live in this world, and so the reality is that we, we have this temptation to allow our worth to be wrapped up in what is seen. What people see will determine my worth. Therefore, I have to work really hard and build a structure of what people see. Because if people see something, then I will be more worthwhile. I will have more value. I will be more validated. Okay, Even for myself as a pastor, like never before, pastors are being put on the map. Okay, you can see on Instagram, pastors are having hundreds of thousands of followers where they are seen, they are recognized, they are praised. And I'm not saying anything against that, but for myself, I have this temptation sometimes to truly believe that my worth will be valued in how much people see me. That my value will increase and I'll feel more validation the more that people see me, the more that people recognize me, the more that people see what's going on and see what's happening in my life. And so sometimes I think that there's this temptation for myself and maybe you, this need to hustle and try to fast track my way to success. Or, or, or at least try to pretend and try to paint a picture of success. Because if people see my relationship and they like it, then I will have more value. If people see my job and see what I have and they like it and they recognize it and they see it, then that will be more value to me. And so we oftentimes work really, really hard to go really fast to create a structure so that people can see the structure and give us praise and validation, right? You feel me? Can I, can I remind you of something, though, back to that story, that the foolish builder, he cared more about creating a structure that could be seen than developing a foundation that could not be seen, and what happened? His house crashed. It was his demise. He cared far more about the structure that people could see than creating a foundation that no one could see, that it was, it was his absolute demise. I think that we see this all over our world, right? People that in an instant get influence. People at a young age in an instant uh, gain all, all sorts of notoriety, but they don't have the foundation to back it up. And then all of a sudden they come to like this tragic halt, right? I mean, we see that all the time with, with young stars, young celebrities. Even Justin Bieber just, just wrote a post not too long ago talking about how he came to, to stardom and to fame and money so fast, but he had no foundation, and he got to a place where his life was completely destroyed. And I think that we can find that for ourselves. You see, we get our worth so caught up in the structure that is seen. But can I, can, I, can I tell you something? That God couldn't be more opposite of that. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the what? 
outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Heart. That people look at the structure. That people look at what we present of ourselves. And that's attractive to people. But God does, isn't concerned with your structure, but God is concerned with your heart, who you're becoming, the foundation of your soul. Listen, our world determines success on how tall your structure is. The kingdom of God determines success on how deep your foundation is. Because God is trying to call you and has called you to last, the long game. More than just what people see. It's about who you're becoming. What have you been more focused on in this season of life? Have you fought really hard to create this structure that is attractive to people? Or have you focused on the foundation that God is calling you to, to create depth in your life so you can last? Number two, your 20s are not about how fast you get there, but how you get there. Your 20s are not about how fast you get there, but how you get there. The foolish builder wanted it done quickly instead of doing it correctly. The wise builder wanted to do it correctly and didn't care how quickly that he got it done. And I think that that sounds good. And, and I think that that makes sense to us. But I think that we've been so tainted in this world because we live in such an instant gratification generation, Right? Where we, we, can, we can post something and be famous in a moment. Or we can swipe right and we can start a relationship with someone in a moment. Right? Like, we, we can, in a moment, we can get this instant gratification in our lives, in our world. You see, we want to get there fast and we'll just worry about everything else later. Right? I just want what I want. I know what I want. And, and, and I know that other people have it. So I'm going to run as fast as I can to get what it is that I want. And I'll worry about all the other details later. All my friends are getting engaged and getting married around me. And I desperately want that. That is something that I want. And so the first relationship that you're in, you are trying to push yourself to get married as fast as possible. And I'll just worry about all the other details later. Right, like I, 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 I want this job. It's going to pay better. I know that God has not opened up any doors for it, but I, you know what? I know that I'm called to this job. I know that I want to do this, and so I'm going to get this job as fast as I can, and I'll worry about everything else later. Right, I, I know that I'm, I have this promotion, this potential promotion. I know that I'm going to have to move my life, move away from my, my church, and move away from all my friends. And I want that, and I'm going to get it. And so I'm going to go there. I'm going to move my life. I'm going to uproot everything that I am to go get what I want, and I'll worry about all the details later. We, we just want to get there fast and worry about all the details later. Here's the tension, though, is that we live in a microwave world but we serve a crockpot God. Amen? Like, we, like we, we live in a world where we want stuff done fast, but God does not operate that way. Can, can I tell you that God is a developer? That, 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 that God is in the business of developing. That God is in the business of processes. You see, God is trying to develop something in you that cannot be developed overnight. But we get so impatient 
Oh, we, we're so aware of everybody else and what's going on. And, and just let me tell you that awareness breeds discontentment. So the more aware we are of everybody else, the more discontent will be with who we are and with where we are. And so we feel this need to rush God and rush the process. And if God, you're not going to move, call me, give me an opportunity that I'm going to move myself and I'll worry about everything else later. Listen, when it comes to God's purpose for our lives, God does not develop us through an instant snapshot. He doesn't. He doesn't develop us through an instant snapshot. Listen, listen, God puts us through seasons. That God puts us through tests. That God puts us through trials because he's trying to prepare in us something that he has already prepared for us. That God has already prepared in advance good works for you. That he's already prepared some amazing things. So he has you sitting in this place right now because God's trying to do something in you before he does something through you, right? Listen, this is how God has always been. This is how God was created to be since Adam and Eve until now. That this is who God is. That he's always trying to prepare something in you before he does something through you. Sometimes you have to go through the places that you don't want to be so God can put you in the places that you need to be. Right? That that's God's plan for your life. Trying to fast track our way. Run as fast as possible. It's not about how fast you get there. It's about how you get there. Can you be obedient? Can you be faithful? Can you trust that in this season that my ways are higher than your ways? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I'm trying to do something in you. I'm trying to build something in you. I'm trying to strip something from you. I'm trying to get you prepared for the good works that I have already prepared in advance for you to do. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yes. Number three is this. Your 20s are not about what you do, but your 20s are about who you are becoming. 20s are not about what you do, but who you are becoming. God is far more concerned with who you're becoming than what you do. Can I, can I tell you this? And, and, and you may disagree with me. Um, and that's fine. Email Zach at redrockshirts.com. <laughs> no, seriously, though. <clears throat> I just really don't believe that God is that concerned with the job that you have. I, I, I don't think that God is that concerned with how successful you are. I don't think that God is that concerned with how much money you make. I really don't. I don't think that God is concerned on if, with, if you're married or not at this time in your life. I don't think God's very concerned with the fact of if you have kids or not. Or if you're close to. Now, the world might be concerned, <laughs> which in turn has made you concerned. But I can't tell you, God is not concerned with what you do. God is not concerned with how much money is in your checkings or savings account. God is concerned with what kind of person are you becoming. Because the kind of person you become will determine all those other things. Will determine the strength of your marriage. 
will determine the strength of how you interact with people at your job. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it makes sense that, that God's like, no, I'm more concerned with, with who you are, with who, who you're becoming, not about what you do. Don't, don't get so caught up in this life about God, what should I do? Where should I go? What job should I take? I have job A or job B. God, this one makes, this one is more money. God, this is this. Could that not be your prayer? Like, may, let your prayer be, God, who are you trying to make in me? What are you trying to create in me? See, Romans, I love this, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do, do not conform to the pattern of, of how the world is pushing you to be concerned with, like, with, with life. Don't, don't conform to the pattern of the world and what they're trying to push on you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and, and build this foundation that, that God desires for you and wants for you. Listen, God wants to build something in you right now that just can't be rushed. Look, can, can, can I tell you that, that right now, God, God is building a, a, a character in you that you need. God, 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 is, God is building in you an endurance for the tough season of life that you're about to enter into. God, God is building you integrity in this season so that you can be the best husband and wife possible on the day of your wedding. Like God, God's trying to, to build something in you that cannot be rushed. And, and God wants to do more in you in this season than he wants to do through. You know why? Because I feel like God cares far more about you personally than God cares about you vocationally. He cares way more about your heart. Way, about, way more about your foundation than he cares about your structure. And you know why? Because God knows the plans that he has for you. <clears throat> He knows that he has plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans that give you a hope and a future. That God has plans for you to give you a life more abundant than you could ever dream of or imagine. So therefore, he's trying to build your foundation for the long haul. He, 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 know, he knows what's about to take place in your life. He knows what your 30s, your 40s, your 50s and beyond look like. And so he's trying to create something in you for the long haul. And, but I think we get to this place where like, God, I just feel stuck. I'm so tired of living right here. I'm so tired of this job. I'm so tired of this college. God, can you just move me on? And I feel like God is whispering back to somebody else. But right now, you're not built for it. The thing that you want, you're not ready for it. And if you fast track your way and go against my will and are disobedient and force yourself into a season that I haven't opened up the door for you, it's going to be a train wreck for your life. That God is trying to build you to last, but don't force your way to a next season because you may not be ready for the next season and for the next storm that might be coming your way. You're built to last. <clears throat> I, I don't know, I don't know if, if, if you find yourself in this place and this resonates. Hopefully it does. But your, your 20s have been defined by whatever the world has kind of deemed for you to define it by, right? And, and you become really concerned with the way the world is pushing you to be in your 20s. 
that you're like, it's about my structure. It's about how I'm seen. It's about how fast I get there. It's about what I do. And I think God's trying to like flip the script on some of you. And like, you know why you feel so purposeless? Because you've been chasing the way that the world is calling you to chase the, your structure and your foundation. Your, your purpose in your 20s is to build the strongest foundation you could possibly build. What's my purpose? That's your purpose. <laughs> What's my purpose on this world, on this planet right now? I believe that's your purpose, is to build a powerful foundation to withstand the things that are going to come at you in life. I remember whenever uh, it was that, that night when I was trying to be on the SWAT team, um, if you remember back to that. Um, I didn't do that, by the way. But I, I was super lost, and, and I, I, was, I was 21, and I remember calling Chad Brugman, because Chad Brugman was, he's, he's a teaching pastor, used to be a teaching pastor here. Um, he was my youth pastor when I was a lost, broken 16-year-old, and then I was a lost, broken 21-year-old. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna call him. Uh, and I was like, hey, bro, did you, are you still part of that church plant in Denver? And he's like, I am. And I was like, dude, I, I'm so lost, I'm so confused. I, I don't know what to do with my life. And I was like, can I, can I come out? He's like, move on out. So two weeks later, I packed my bags and I moved to Denver. That was May of 2010. Uh, good for you. You know, lucky for you. Amen. Um, uh, so I, I packed my bags and I, I, I live in his basement. Uh, my, my sweet mate was his two-year-old daughter. And I, I remember getting to, getting to Red Rocks, and at that point, Red Rocks probably was a, probably the size of this room, maybe a little bit bigger. And, and I remember thinking like, man, when they see me, they're going to like love me. They're going to want me to be a part of so many things, and they're going to use me in such an awesome way. I have, a, I have a college degree. Come on. I am a psychology major, which means nothing. <clears throat> they're going to use me up. They did. You know how? They're like, we need a janitor. My first job at Red Rocks Church, I was the janitor. Come on. Come on. I worked at this factory in Aurora in the morning, and then I would drive to Golden. I would intern during the day, and then at night, I would clean the church. And, uh, and I remember after a few months of it, man, I, I was just exhausted. I, I was honestly just, just irritated at God. I was irritated at life. Um, and I had this moment where I was at Sunday, the, the youth was doing something. I was meeting with some youth kids and we were having like a life group. I'm like, man, God, finally, like I'm getting to do something cool. Someone came down. They're like, hey, you Andrew Matron. I was like, yeah. Like, hey, could you come up to the, the main auditorium? Like, this is my time. Sean's going to give me the mic or something. I don't know. <laughs> so I get up there and they're like, hey, the, uh, there's, a, there's a stall in the women's bathroom that's clogged. Could you go ahead and get that? So I mean, they're just like, other <laughs> so mad so mad and and so like it was just kind of time after time of that where I just I, I got really exhausted really frustrated and and I went to I went back home for Christmas and I had an amazing time I got, got to spend time with with my now wife Jerrica and all my friends were back home and I was like man this is I'm, I'm like I'm missing out all my friends are doing cool stuff and and I fly back to Denver, and I fly back on a Saturday night, and church was the next morning. I flew in, I think, at like 11 o'clock at night, and I had to go right to the church, and I had to start cleaning. 
to get prepared for Sunday service. And, and I remember I was in the back of the auditorium at Golden Heritage Square, RIP, and I was vacuuming. And I remember I just started like crying out to God. I was so angry. I was like, God, I'm so tired of where I'm at. Like, th this, is, this is not what you had planned for me, God. I'm going to quit. I'm going to move back home, and I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And, and, and I had this moment where I was just crying out. I was yelling at God. And that's okay sometimes. And I felt like God, like, leaned down next to me. It was like, Andrew, I'm trying to complete something in you. I've, I've prepared something for you here. Don't run. I have great plans for you in this place, Andrew. But right now I have you in this place because I'm trying to reveal something to you. Andrew, quit praying for deliverance, but pray for revelation. Quit, Andrew, quit praying that I would deliver you from this, but pray that I would reveal to you, that you would hear my voice, that you would hear my spirit. Andrew, right now I'm trying to build something in you because I've prepared something for you. And I remember in this moment, God said to me, <laughs> Andrew, before I can hand you a pulpit, I gotta hand you a toilet brush. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Before I can hand you a microphone, I gotta hand you a toilet brush. You know why? Because this toilet brush was me getting deeper with Jesus Christ, was building my foundation. This toilet brush represents so much to me because this toilet, not this exact one, that'd be gross. <laughs> be serious, Andrew, dear Lord. But this is what built my character. This is what strengthened me. This is what built my integrity. This is what prepared me. I was in the shadows. I, I, I wanted a structure that everyone could see, but God was trying to develop something in me that no one could see yet, right? And, 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 and now almost 10 years later, I'm, I'm married. I have a beautiful child. I get to stand up on this stage before you, and it's amazing. But even this week, I feel like God put the, the toilet brush back in my hand. <laughs> I was like, Andrew, I, I still got more work to do in your life. You haven't arrived yet. So I, I, I don't know where, where you find yourself in this place today, but what kind of foundation have you built yourself on? Have you built your life on? And why this passage talks about building on rock? Because Jesus Christ is our rock. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. We build our foundation on him and everything else begins to change. In this season of life, in your 20s, the most defining trans formable time of your life what do you choose to build your foundation on rock or the sand but whatever you build your foundation on your 20s will define everything about this decade for you let me pray for you lord i thank you so much for everyone in this place and in this room and god you're a great god a powerful god and um Man, you're not mad at anybody for any kind of life that they've lived up to this point, but Lord, you're speaking to them. Lord, you're challenging them. Well, I pray that right now that we'd be a people that would respond to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask two questions. You found yourself in this place and your foundation 
has been built on sand. And you wonder why there's so much tension in your heart every time you come into an experience like this is because your foundation is all off. And God's calling you to build your foundation on a rock and go deeper with him and care less about your structure of what is seen, but more about your foundation that he's building. You're in here tonight, you don't have, you, you say that that's me, that I built my foundation on sand. I know that God's calling me to switch it up. If that's you, would you lift up your hand in this place? Wow. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Tons of us. Second question is this. I never want to talk about Jesus and not give you an opportunity to respond to him. You're in here tonight. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you've been searching your whole life. You've been going from thing to thing, person to person. Everything has returned void, but you walked into this place looking for something and what you have been looking for, you found tonight. And you say, I want to start this relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand so we can pray for you? Praise Jesus. I see you, bro. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. If that's you in here, you raise your hand. You can put your hand down. But just in your own words, begin to talk to God. You don't have to say anything perfect or eloquent. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I want to put my faith in you. God, I trust you. Speak to me. Just talk to him. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask all your name. Everybody, young adults, said. Amen. Hey, we love y'all so much. Would y'all stand? Let's worship.